the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Jess. Jess, hello! We are being joined. Hello. Being joined by Jess Ross. Jess is joining us as a patron. She is joined at the Golden Girl level, so she can be on a on an episode with us she's picking an episode and not just that she's also family yay yeah (laughs) jess is our cousin uh you are the second first cousin that we've had on the show before um because we've also had had my brother on your brother your brother (laughs) matt joined us for half baked a while back uh we're excited uh to have you on this time and we're going to be talking some of your favorite properties, uh, and because you set up this episode for us, and so we are going to talk so '90s. It is such a '90s episode. <laughs> we're going to discuss the 1996 Baz Luhrmann film Romeo Plus Juliet. I don't know if they say. Do you guys call it Romeo Plus Juliet or Romeo I, and Juliet? I always call it Romeo and Juliet, but you I, know that's how I it's always say written. plus. Yeah. yeah, it's written with the plus, so I always say plus. Yeah. Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, we are going to be talking the 90s dating game show Singled Out, and I think that is just a perfect combination with <laughs> Romeo and Juliet that you thought of. And then we're going to do our own fan casting, uh, a recasting of Romeo plus Juliet as if it was being redone with actors of today. So uh, we'll go through each of the, you know, when we're getting into those as to why you picked those properties, mm-hmm. but... First and foremost, thank you very much for being a patron. We appreciate it. And, you know, yeah. you don't you don't have to. You know, we still love you anyway <laughs> um, because you're family. But you know, we appreciate it. Really, well, awesome. I you know I listen all the time, and I thought, hey, you know, I shouldn't just expect free entertainment. I should support you guys. So it's I, something I'd been meaning to do for a while and kept forgetting. Finally, got around to it. Nice. Well, yeah, we very much appreciate it. All right. So 1996, Jess and I were about 11 years old uh, when this uh, that fantastic year. Uh, John, you were a little bit older. You were about, uh, what, 15, 16 at this time. Yep. So you let us know. Take our minds back to the year 1996. All right. Well, the film was released on November 1st, 1996. The Billboard Top 100 uh, song for that week. You can't escape it. It was the Macarena by Los Del Rio. God. Oh, one of like, just, I just hate it. You said this was a a very 90s episode, so that's perfect. It fits so well. Oh, my God. Yeah. Atrocious. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was the show ER. Uh, definitely one we watched. And Jess, I know one you and your mother watched pretty frequently, right? Well, I mean, my mom was a diehard fan, and so <laughs> I it was often on. Oh, that George Clooney. He's yeah, so yeah. righteous dude. I mean, <laughs> although, like, there's one episode of ER, which is the hardest I have ever cried on any show. It's It's when Goose dies, right? When uh, Goose yeah. dies, yes, except <laughs> different movie, but right. mm-hmm. oh man, it is a hard one. So you know that one sticks with me. The rest, I feel I kind of watch the show here and there. 
released on the PS1 this same day was a game called Blood Omen Legacy of Cain. Not one I'm familiar with. I think it became a series on the PS1, but I'm not sure that it's sort of survived past that. Okay. Yeah, I do not recognize it, but it's got a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds badass. Uh, topping the New York Times bestseller list is a book called The Deep End of the Ocean by Jacqueline Mitchard. Not one I've ever heard of. Nope. And I put out this fun fact because I thought it was fun. And I realized the fun fact is actually from 1997, but involves 1996. Uh, so a woman named Lottie Williams uh, was the only person to have been hit by re-entering space debris. She was walking through a park in Tulsa, Oklahoma in January 1997 at 3.30 a.m. and felt a tap on her shoulder. It was a piece of the fuel tank of a Delta II rocket that had launched in 1996. Oh. Wow. And she that was makes complete- me think of the show uh, Dead Like Me. You know, she gets hit by a toilet seat. Yeah. So- <laughs> Perfect. And that was, uh, that was 1996. All right. All right. Interesting year as it was. Uh, and let's uh, dive right in to Romeo plus Juliet. All right, Romeo plus Juliet, this film, as I said, was 1996, directed by Baz Luhrmann. Uh, He did some other very well-known movies like Moulin Rouge, Australia, more recently The Great Gatsby, and that Elvis movie, the biopic, which I haven't seen, but Austin Butler looked really good as Elvis, and I kind of want to see it because of that, though Tom Hanks looked really weird as, like, the colonel guy, so... Didn't care for that one. Uh, this movie is based on a play by old Billy Shakes. Billy Good old Shakes. Billy Shakes. Of course, William Shakespeare wrote Romeo and Juliet, and this is based on that. Uh, the screenplay was kind of rewritten a little bit, even though they pretty much just use the classic dialogue. But they have to kind of talk about, you know, the sets and all that kind of stuff. Baz Luhrmann and Craig Pierce, but they work together on pretty much all of Baz Luhrmann's films. Uh, so they did the screenplay. Cinematography, I want to call out, was done by Donald uh, McAlpine. He also shot Predator, Parenthood, Mrs. Doubtfire, Chronicles of Narnia, some really good films. But unfortunately, he also shot X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is a fucking god-awful film. I threw up a little in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah, it's so bad. Uh, The cast of this one, uh, Romeo, is played by Leonardo DiCaprio, Leo DiCaps, uh, Titanic, of course. Departed. What's eating Gilbert Grape is a personal favorite of mine of his. Agreed. Agreed. That was on my list too. So. <laughs> oh, that would have been a good one too. Uh-huh. But you know what? Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk in a second. Uh, Juliet, played by Claire Danes, uh, very famously from My So Called Life, uh, recently Homeland, and she's actually also in an a Soul Asylum music video. Talk about more '90s life. Oh, uh, she was she was in a music video call uh, from. Them called uh, just like just like anyone. Just like anyone. That's how it goes. Okay. Anyway, I should know that, but I don't. Okay. All right. Yeah, I thought you were. I was. I was waiting for you to like be like. Oh yeah, I love that one, Adam. Okay, but you didn't. <laughs> Uh, Tybalt is played by John Leguizamo. Super Mario Brothers, Two Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, Spawn. He's been in lots of stuff. 
Mercutio is played by Harold uh, Perrineau. He was in Oz, as well as Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions as, and Lost. Father Lawrence, played by Pete Postlewaite, or Postlethwaite. I think that's it. He was in Alien 3, Usual Suspects. He played Kobayashi, Dragonheart, Amistad, a lot of stuff uh, that he was in before he passed. Ted, Mr. Montague, was played by Brian Dennehy. Uh, John and I talked about him in the in Cocoon. He was also in uh, First Blood, the Rambo, the first Rambo movie, Silverado, and Tommy Boy. We also talked about him in Tommy Boy. And then uh, Mr. Capulet is Paul Sorvino. He was in Dick Tracy, Goodfellas, The Rocketeer, lots of stuff. Also the father of Mira Sorvino. Oh. So, um, and then the last person I'm going to talk about, because we will be casting her later, is the nurse. And that was played by Miriam Margulies. Uh, she was in Babe, Balto. She was uh, a voice in the movie Mulan. She was the matchmaker in Mulan. Uh, but most people know her as Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter films. And decidedly not Hispanic. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Just, just noting that for later. This film had a budget of $14.5 million and made a box office of $147.6 million. Pretty solid success here. This was definitely a big hit. So, Jess, it being a big hit, like, why are we talking Romeo plus Juliet right now? Why is this a special one for you? Right. Uh, so, it was always my favorite movie um, when I was younger, but not probably for the reasons every other teenage girl had <laughs> not oh, to yeah. say not to say that leo uh isn't easy on the eyes but i remember going to see this i was like you said 11 uh saw it in the theaters with my mom and i believe uh one of our other cousins molly went with mm -hmm. us my mom was not a big fan at all. It was too weird for her. She didn't. She liked, you know, the classic 1968, I think it was, you know, straightforward William Shakespeare's Romeo mm -hmm. and Juliet. I saw this and what I really remember is it was kind of a pivotal moment for me in film viewing in that I, you know, up until that point, I had always watched family-friendly films, happily ever after films, comedies, just like very light. You go to a movie, you get a few laughs, you, you feel good and you're out. This was something like I'd never seen before. First of all, I didn't know too much William Shakespeare at that time. So it really did get me into poetry. It really got me into looking into his other plays and things like that. But the whole concept of bringing it into the modern time, but also it's arguably kind of futuristic, at least, you know, in the 90s, I felt <laughs> it was a little futuristic, but kind of dystopian almost. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like the real world, the just way everything was shot and the way they interpret, but yet they're still speaking like they're in Elizabethan times. And so it was just like, I was like, oh, there's artistry to film. And that's what got me interested in the more kind of indie films or things that are a little more outside of the box. It kind of just, you know, I spiraled from there. Yeah. So that's okay, where yeah. I feel. Is it like, you know, the most amazing movie of all time? Most likely not. But it, it was a turning point for me. It was something yeah. that just kind of opened my eyes to a different world. They definitely... Um Go at the artistry. You can't deny that mm -hmm. one. They, they took a chance with this film. So we'll see if 
we feel that watching it this many years later, how many how many years are we doing? Twenty six years later, mm-hmm. will it hold up? Oh, and actually, I want to say this is my first time ever watching Romeo plus wow. Juliet. You don't yeah. have the eleven uh, year old glasses on then. I do not. <laughs> I have my old man. 36, almost 37-year-old glasses on gotcha. for this one. That is a little uh, unusual. Although I I definitely saw it in the theater, but I, I think at this point I, like, I had a group of friends that I probably went to go see it with. I mean, at that age of that 15, 16 that you were at, you know, there was definitely a chance, you know, maybe you went on a date or with yeah with a group of friends that this would have yeah. this would have been a teen PG-13 style movie for y'all to go see mm-hmm. but 11 year old Adam I still wanted to just stay at home watch fucking Gargoyles and Batman and X-Men mm-hmm. I didn't want to you know I didn't want to do any I didn't care about Romeo and Juliet I didn't like girls so who cared so and so I just never really you know had any interest when I got older and it wasn't one that people that I you know hung out with made me be like oh you've got to see this mm-hmm. so so I will say it was a bit of a surprise when they started talking in all Shakespeare and like the original dialogue. I was like, oh, he had to think okay. A, he I, had to I, think a little I, bit. You were- I had no fucking clue that was going to be the case. So, yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. Yes, I had to think a lot more just to, mm-hmm. to keep up with what the fuck are they saying. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's get started in our scene by scene breakdown. We start off with a news report about Starcross lovers setting up all this kind of stuff. Um, obviously, this is an updated version of that classic Shakespeare uh, play. And, you know, we learn about the two big households. And I like how you kind of called it out, Jess, as it's almost dystopian. Because mm-hmm. it does. They ha- We use these, like, um, exterior shots. And you see these two big-ass towers of Montague and Capulet. And it just felt like, oh, wow, okay, these are the two big businessmen. And what the fuck is else going on in this world? It just seems like half the side of the city is owned by one, half is by the other. And they're having a large kind of gang war based on that mm-hmm. um, in Verona, in fair Verona, as they call it. So um, get some narration. And it's kind of one thing I did think was interesting. The opening credits were much more of like a trailer than they were the opening credits. It was like they're they're giving you a little setup of all this stuff as like as exactly I was like I'm watching I had to stop and make sure am I watching a trailer right now or am I watching the movie? <laughs> and it was the movie, but it was the opening credits. So I thought that was different. That's kind of interesting. Well what I gotta say about that, and that's I mean that's straight up, straight up from the play. Shakespeare put it all out there for you. He said, this is gonna be two hours and they made the movie two hours. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's the whole line, right? He puts it out there. He says, you know, two star-crossed lovers take their life. Bam. You know the ending. Right mm-hmm. smack dab from the beginning. And so it's like, why would I want to stay around and watch the rest of this? But yet you get invested. You get kind of wrapped up. And you almost, I feel sometimes, get a little hopeful. Like, oh, this is going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> this time's going to be different. <laughs> Even though you know it's all laid out for you. So it is like, mm. here, we're going to give you a little synopsis of everything that's going to happen here. Now watch it, you know? <laughs> I always found that a little interesting. Totally is. Uh, we then meet some of the Montague boys. Uh, noticed immediately one of them was Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. A- an interesting thing. Did you notice he had a black eye? Yes. Throughout the whole thing. I had read that um, he had really got a black eye in real life. And they were, the makeup department was like, that's okay. You know, we can cover it up or whatever. And Baslerman was like, no, no, I like how that looks. So, <laughs> so, so that was a real one they kept in there. 
Okay, that's very cool. I wonder who got in a fight with who Jamie. Who punched Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he probably deserved it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's what Jamie I want to know is is if the it had to eventually go away. So did they have to start drawing it in? Yeah. Later. Yeah. Right. Or just punch him in the face again? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably likely probably the, the how latter. Probably how it works out. Yeah. Yeah. We then meet some of the Capulet boys. The way I told the difference is it was basically like here's kind of almost. These guys wearing Hawaiian shirts and like that weird style. And then these also kind of mixed, almost Guido-like family. The Capulets were fairly Guido-esque. And the and the Montagues were Hawaiian gang. I couldn't tell what they what they were. Like white white frat boys. Like yeah. white Florida <laughs> retiree frat boys. I couldn't tell, but that's what their style was. Well, that kind of makes sense because I don't think they really say it anywhere, but I've I've read that. The, they turned Verona into Verona Beach in Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so... Uh, so it's like a Miami kind of... Yeah. Okay, I can, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. It's kind of like Miami. Right. Although, like, to me, it the whole thing just screamed LA. Yeah. Well, it was filmed so, in Mexico look. City. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> We're all over the place. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, but we get here, obviously, that... that here, the, big, the dialogue really... <laughs> Surprise, man. But we get those classic ones. The the I, I bite my thumb at the... Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? I do bite my thumb, sir! Do you bite your thumb at us? Sir. Is love our side if I say I? No! No, sir, do not bite my thumb at you, sir, but I bite my thumb, sir! Do you quarrel, sir? Quarrel, sir! You know, this is the bite your thumb scene. You know, of course, you know, a lot of people know the Romeo and Juliet stuff, so uh, we'll meet Tybalt on this one, and Tybalt, like John Leguizamo, is definitely the big intimidating person uh he ends up shooting and scaring off montague and ends up killing one of the guys uh from the montague gang and ends up blowing up a gas station the only thing that kind of surprised me is they didn't have a shot of him smoking a cigarette as he walked away from the gas station behind him that would have been (laughs) again further more 90s but although i think it's because he you know they took off so he was like, yeah. no, 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 you're not yeah. getting away. <laughs> getting I got to hurry my ass up instead of sitting around here smoking a cigarette looking cool. <laughs> true, true. Uh, so, yeah, overall madness is ensuing. Obviously, these two families uh, hate each other. The police kind of interact and they end up stopping them. And uh, we meet our police captain, who I recognized immediately because, John, did you uh, did you recognize our good old police captain? Um, I recognize a lot of people in this because they used a lot of well-known um, yeah. character actors. And I, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, okay, I recognize you, but I couldn't pick it out. Yep. Uh, so his name was Von D. Curtis Hall. Uh, Captain Prince uh, was his name. But I immediately saw him and I was like, holy shit, you're uh, one of the guys from Zamunda who stops Prince Akeem at the basketball game, and he and he recognizes oh. him there, and he has to get a picture with him. And I saw I saw him immediately. I was like, "Holy shit, you're you're one of the citizens of Zamunda." Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! It is you! I cannot believe it! Oh. Greetings, Your Highness. Please, please stop bowing, please. I am a loyal citizen of Zamunda. Yes, but you're going to spill your beverages. This is the greatest day of my life. <laughs> but that's, I'm sure he's, he's been in plenty of other stuff, but I didn't care because uh, coming to America is my It's the is only thing movie. that matters, yeah. It's the only thing that matters. <laughs> so that, that gave me a little high seeing him. So anyway, he's the police captain warns the families, um, you know, you can't, you can't, continue this kind of shit uh we meet romeo and he is uh, 
he's Romeo. He is basically an angsty, romantic teenager. You know, he's he's just a caricature of this kind of all he cares about is love and romance. And he doesn't pay attention really all that much to the war with the Capulets. I have a funny little uh, story about the first scene we see him and he's out writing in a diary journal, whatever. Like I said, it got me into poetry and all that thing. And, you know, once it came out, I had to have, you know, VHS and everything. And I remember watching that scene. I couldn't look up those words on the interwebs at the time very well. (laughs) Uh, Mm. And so I remember, like, I'd watch it. I'd pause it and I'd write down what he was saying. And then I did Uh all this stuff, right? And then I'd left the notebook out and my mom found it. And she was like... She knew I'd been dabbling in writing some poetry of my own. Jesse, did you write this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, nope, that was a uh, Shakespeare. But thanks, yeah. Mom. <laughs> she was like, well, I was going to say, I thought that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He's, he ends up talking with his cousin, uh, Ravelio. Benvolio. Benvolio, Benvolio. He looked like a fucking dollar uh, general version of Rob Gronkowski to me. <laughs> did, did you guys, did he look like that to you, John? He looked exactly like... The Wish the wish version? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Wish.com version uh-huh. of Rob Gronkowski. I mean, but, not really, because I've seen that guy before. Well, okay. I mean, he did to me in, in this movie. In particularly mm-hmm. in this movie, he looked exactly like that. Uh, but, well, I, I immediately recognized him um, from the movie um, Something About Tomorrow. What's the name of the movie? Oh, um, The Day After Tomorrow. The Day After yeah. Tomorrow. He was uh, Dennis Quaid's, like, co-worker, right? Yeah, co-worker who goes uh-huh. with him on the journey to find, yeah, yeah. find oh. his kids and stuff Which like that. I, I've not seen that movie, so maybe what? that's it. It's, right. not, it's not a bad yeah. apocalyptic movie. I enjoy it. You know? I enjoy I, it. Sure. It's, it's definitely got rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, Mr. Capulet talks to... Dave Paris, played by Paul Rudd. Very young-looking Paul Rudd, jeez. Yeah, this was the the next year after Clueless, and so he just kind of had some of these movies that he kind of, I don't know, just forgot that he was in, and it's just love seeing him pop up, and now he still looks exactly the same. I really wanted to do a recasting of him so I could just cast him again. (laughs) He would... He would look exactly the same. He would. That he would. Um, but kind of brings up his daughter. Uh, the Mr. Capulet brings up Juliet and things like that. We found out, um, you know, Romeo. Uh, yeah, exactly. That he's just, he, he he wants to be in love and all this stuff. And they're talking about like, oh, he's going to be wed to this Rosaline. You know, they've already found somebody for Rosaline. He had, a, he had an infatuation with her. She didn't really return it. And so his, he's all depressed because his, you know, heart has been broken before it even he's began. he's oh, emo-y he, he, he didn't have like the the eyeliner yeah. um he wasn't quite listening to my chemical romance yet but he was like on a step he was like literally yeah. gonna be towards that direction yeah so yeah uh juliet's mother yells for her and screams for her. i hated this <laughs> <laughs> because she was just annoyed me but the nurse uh kind of helps prep juliet and whatnot we see our you know nice little i like our nurse here she's a good good actress good relationship between her and juliet um, but Dave Paris is this man that they're trying to set up uh, for Juliet and all that kind of stuff. So, um, though, the, though the nurse secretly kind of gives her advice, like, you know, hey, push for your own happiness. Do kind of do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, who Juliet, who feels confined by her parents that she has to just do whatever they say, the nurse is ni- a, ni- a nice little opposite direction in, in the other ear. 
to help. Well, her. and the whole so. point of her was, you know, because she says, you know, that was the prettiest babe that I nursed. It, mm -hmm. it, I mean, that is like her mother, you know, her yeah. in those rich families, <laughs> you had your nurse that you're close with. And then and then you have your mother mm -hmm. that you see every once in a while for parties. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, at night, fireworks going off like crazy in the town. Uh, we see they do a quick little thing of we seeing Juliet in her angel wings, Romeo kind of in his knight's attire. And immediately I just saw, oh, OK, I've seen the promo images of this this is used for like you know the dvd covers like mm -hmm. any like in the trailer you see some of these shots with them um you know in this particularly it's always in this attire i yeah. don't know why they always kept it in this one it's their costumes yeah yes then in comes mercutio dressed in drag uh coming over to uh over to romeo who's on the beach and he gives him an invitation to the capulet party it's this dress up almost like Halloween party, I guess. Um, and so Romeo then takes some ecstasy. Okay. Well, he, he didn't want to go. He had no, he didn't he's go, all depressed. So naturally. He's yeah, all depressed, he's all... but they, they tried to get him to go. Cause they said, Rosalind's going to be there. So, yeah. you know, but we never see, we never see no. her, right? No. no, no, she's not in the play either. She's just spoken. Okay. About I don't remember. Uh, I've seen the play like once or twice. Yeah. Um, Maybe once, probably not even once. And so the ecstasy is trying to kind of, cheer him up i guess he's 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 all down in the dumps and like yeah. come on let's have a fun night and he's like i had this dream that bad stuff was going to come premonitions and then that's that was that whole like talk of dream sequence you know mm -hmm. that dreams don't really matter let's go yeah like stop being so, stop being emo <laughs> stop being emo take some drugs and go yeah. to the party uh -huh. <laughs> that's that's what he's gonna do he has a mask on because of course he is a montague going into the capulet party uh, we then get a musical number by Mercutio in drag while at the party. Uh, I was a little kind of confused, I guess. Um, Mercutio, he kind of like, I don't know, is he friends with everybody? Even though he's best friends with Romeo, but... The Capulets don't seem to mind that because they have him here for the party. Right. So the prince that you, Captain Prince, they call him in this, the police chief, right? Yes. He's yes. technically in the play. He's the prince, right? Of, okay. Of Verona, of wherever. Um, Mercutio, I always say it funny. He um, <laughs> he is actually related to the prince. I don't know okay. exactly how they speak of kinsmen. Um, so they're related. So it's it's a prominent family. Okay. So I always just took it as, you know, they invited all the big to-dos, all the the sure. big players. And so that's how he got his invite. Okay. All right. So while Romeo is drugged up to all hell, um, you know, there's just madness going on. A lot of, I'd say, hyper um, color saturation and some of the editing. Very unique editing with this film, as you kind of already mentioned. Very artistic editing. By this time, we definitely have seen a lot of, there's a lot of speed ramps. Um, there is a lot of other use of like whip pans, whip, whip, uh, um, zooms and like other just kind of crazy. It's really just trying to emphasize or just some, it's really trying to look like something different. Like you've never seen before. Right. I have a quick question for you guys though. In the scene where he's doing the performance in drag and he's singing, we see his costume before 
And then now all of a sudden he has a cape and his wig is yeah. about three times the size. Yes, it's more of an afro. And then we see him again as they leave and his wig is smaller again and he doesn't uh-huh. have the cape. Do you think that he he added uh, to his costume for the performance? Or do you think this is what Romeo's seen in his drugged out state? Oh, interesting. I mean, I did not, I didn't make the drug connection, I guess, that he was altering his... Well, because that whole color. scene, it's, like you said, it's this, these these camera angles and everything's hyper-saturated, and I think you're supposed to be going on a trip where he's at, mm. and he doesn't like okay. the feel of the drugs. But I was just curious. When I was younger, I always just assumed he switched the wig, you know? But watching it again, I got to thinking, oh, is this supposed to be, like, we're seeing what Romeo's seeing right now? Yeah. Uh, I think whatever works for you is yeah. correct. <laughs> All I right. Say, I say, John, when you were on ecstasy, did it make right. other people's hair get bigger? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never been on ecstasy. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it does not change people's hair size, I can tell you. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Romeo then sees the fair Juliet through an aquarium. And we all know the only way to find true love is through looking across an aquarium. An aquarium uh, to, in a bathroom, right? In a bathroom. It's, <laughs> it, it's the men's and the women's bathroom separated yeah. by a fish tank. Like, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Yes. And so they're looking at each other and obviously enamored immediately. Um, but as she gets, you know, pulled away uh, by the nurse to go dance with Paris... Tybalt notices Romeo out in the crowd and he wants to fucking lay down arms right then and there because he knows who he is. But Mr. Capulet forbids it. He's like, no, 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 not at the party. We're not going to do that kind of shit here. So he shoots that down. While Juliet dances with Paris, though, she is still infatuated with Romeo. She keeps looking at him. Weirdly, he doesn't notice her. I thought I thought, I thought it was quite strange that Paris just kind of is like, you know off dancing on his own not really paying attention to oh the person i'm dancing with is staring at this other dude honestly i feel i feel that paris he's pursuing juliet but is he really interested in her i think it's just kind of a a status thing or like here's a young beautiful girl that he's gonna i think he's showing off to everybody else in the room he just kind of has this arrogance to him, I feel. See, I disagree on the arrogance, but maybe it's because of Paul Rudd, and I just don't think he was the <laughs> right cast. He's a good guy. See, Paul Rudd's a good Paul, guy. Exactly. Yeah. It's because it's Paul Rudd. I'm like, I, I kind of feel bad for Paris. Yeah. I feel like he kind of got fucked over. <laughs> well, he yeah. wanted to marry her when she was 14, and her dad said, her dad said, no, they no, don't, no. They don't talk about the age of any of this. Not in this movie, <laughs> yeah. no, but yes. Not in this movie, yes. Even though we do know. Um, and that's the entire, I did watch, my wife was with me when I watched this, and she was just like, I wish they would have cast them like the, the age they were supposed to be, and so we can all see how gross this is. Yeah, nobody, wants, like, to, yeah. nobody wants to see it. <laughs> Although it's and not. That's exactly. Romeo, they never really say his exact age in the play, but if you can kind of infer it's around 17. So he's not mm. that much older than her, but still, it's. It's 14. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It, they're they're children. They don't know what the fuck. Love it was is. even so taboo. So when they make these kind of decisions, yeah, yeah it was even taboo in uh, Billy Shakespeare's day yeah. that uh, you didn't get married that young. It was mm-hmm. only maybe royalty would do that for mm-hmm. for alliances or what have you. Yeah, but yeah, even then, it so. was understood that you wait a few years before you before you bed her because she's a little too too young <laughs> <laughs> yeah it hasn't, it hasn't fully cooked Mm-mm. it's not uh yeah yeah 
has not ripened, if yep. you will. Uh, anyway, that's gross. I said that. And <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Um, Romeo. Uh, oh, yeah. So at one point, Romeo kind of pulls Juliet aside and he's just, you know, he's talking all romantically, kind of seducing her. He kisses her. They sneak away from the party and they just kind of start making out in this elevator. And then the nurse finds them. Um, and here is uh, where she kind of pulls them and they kind of go upstairs with Mr. Capulet where he realizes, oh, my God, she is a Capulet. And the nurse tells Juliet, don't you know that is Romeo Montague? And like, oh, no, they're not allowed to hang out. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, no. The moment their faces changed. They were so happy mm-hmm. and smiley and, you know, hooking up. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> Crap, I'm supposed to hate you. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Romeo and Mercutio leave, uh, but Romeo uh, breaks away and he ends up leaving his, his buddies to go back to the Capulet house so he can talk to Juliet. And we get the, some of the most famous lines from Romeo and Juliet here when he's the beneath the window. Scene. But soft. What light the under window breaks? It is the east. And Juliet is the sun. Which I like how they switched it. I, li- I mean, that is. Yeah, she wasn't up on the balcony. She kind of comes down. Right. That's when people mean. think of Romeo and Juliet, that is the quintessential scene that people think of. She's in her tower. Right. You climb up the balcony and he's yep. talking through her there. And they lay it like that's what they're going to do. And then she, he sees like the nurse's face peek out so it, it throws you and then she comes out the other side and i like how they switched it up a little bit yeah i agree she does her wonderful romeo romeo wherever out though romeo oh romeo wherefore out thou romeo deny thy father and refuse thy name or if thou wilt not be but sworn my love and i'll no longer be a capulet exactly that is kind of fun and she walks that way and then he kind of surprises her because he's there and then tackles her into the pool uh, <laughs> like you do with your loved well, ones. I, don't I know. mean, he's coming at her and she kind of stops and turns. So I took it as she just lost her footing. And he's like, well, sure. I'm, I'm coming in with you now, babe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, security almost catches them, but they are able to, to, to hide away from the security and they talk each other of love immediately. Again, all you need is one look at each other through a fish tank in a bathroom and love is in the air and they make out some more. Um, and then they make a pact. They make a vow that they are going to get married in secret. This is moving very fast. Mm -hmm. The whole thing (laughs) takes place in four days. Yeah. (laughs) So just again, does to show the immaturity. I think, uh, you know, at least of, yes, of the children's side of it, but that's like the original. I mean, that's also, I feel realistic when, when you're talking about teenagers and they move real fast and they, you know, they always think they're in love right away. And, and so it feels feels legit. Exactly. It's fitting. (laughs) Sure. Uh, We then meet Father Lawrence, who at this point, I'm not sure if he is an herbologist or if he is a druggie. Um, Maybe both. (laughs) With some of this stuff. A little bit of both, you know? A little bit of both. Um, And Romeo goes to see him, tells him about Juliet and his love for her, uh, and asks Lawrence to marry them. And uh, he'll do it. And we get a weird kind of hip-hop choral version of When Doves Cry. Cheers. 
Father Lawrence agrees to marry them. And so, okay, all it's going to happen. Uh, Mercutio and Romeo's cousin, uh, Benvolo, they give some exposition at some point. I really well, I couldn't pay attention to them. I couldn't understand what the fuck they were saying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and then the nurse, but ultimately the scene, the nurse comes to go talk to Romeo um, and gives her details uh, that, you know, uh, that he gives her the details of Ju- for Juliet and the wedding and what they're going to, how they're going to do it and all this kind of stuff. Um, so then we cut to the wedding. And, you know, yay, they're going to get married in secret. Oh, you you skipped my favorite scene, though. What? Okay, what did I skip? <laughs> when when the nurse comes back and Juliet wants uh-huh. to know, wait, what's the, what's the word? What did he say? And yeah. she just keeps hemming and hawing like, oh, my back yeah. hurts. And just like dragging her along. I love that little bit in, in the movie, in the play that is just so such a downer most of the time. I love mm. there's this little back and forth comedy thing, and which goes more to like what you were saying, their relationship. You get to yeah, see how I do they like their interact. Relationship. Yeah. Sure. Sure. All right. All right. So then we cut to the wedding. And one thing I didn't like is we kind of cut a couple times to this kid. He was like the main singer in this like little children's chorus. And I hated this kid. Because, yes, he kept trying to do this, like, fake vibrato with his voice. You saw it exactly. You, he was like, you know, they were singing, and there was like this, uh, like, shaking his jaw like he was as if miming vibrato. But it was also so fucking obvious to me that it was ADR singing, which they're going to do in any movie, of course. Right. But he just was not doing it well, and then him kept moving his jaw that way well, pissed me off. No, so this kid, I apparently, uh, I found out that... When he grew up, he was on American Idol, and he was like <laughs> yeah, well, in the top. Sing. Like, no, that's 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 him singing. Or sorry, excuse me, singing. He just was. It was pre-recorded, so I feel. Yeah, he was, exactly. But he but he couldn't. He didn't match it. Right. And it he didn't, didn't know well. how to <laughs> lip sync very well at all. But I mean, okay. he he had pipes. Like okay, so he was. At, so it was actually his voice. Yes. Yeah. He had he had pipes, and then he did not win American Idol though. But <laughs> the lack of it matching bothered me, and. The jaw shake bothered me. <laughs> so, and I'm sorry he didn't win American Idol. No. Apparently he <laughs> so. died in a car accident too in like his 20s. So what? don't make fun of him anymore. <laughs> well, there you go, Adam. Jeez. <laughs> wow. What a dick I am. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, how do I transition from that, Jess? Jesus. All right. To, well, they get married. Woo. They get married. Awkward. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> They get married now, uh, and then out of nowhere, Mercutio is shooting at the ocean. He's just like, fuck you, ocean. I don't know. As one does. I took it as he was fishing. I mean. That's <laughs> <laughs> one, one way to one do way it. one way to fish. Yeah. Uh, then the Capulets come, and they're about to fight. Uh, then in comes Romeo, and Tybalt calls him out as a villain. Romeo! The love I bear thee can afford no better term than this. Thou art a villain. You know, the worst, uh, you know. You came to a party. 
How dare you? Came to a party, exactly. He's just always trying to start shit. He doesn't. He is. He's the instigator always. He wants to duel, mm-hmm. but R- Romeo refuses. Mm-hmm. He refuses to duel, and so Tybalt beats his ass, mm-hmm. uh, and then Mercutio defends him and ends up getting stabbed. Mercutio gets stabbed in this, and he is not happy about getting stabbed, and so and so he puts a plague on both of your houses. A plague. Again, another very famous line. Oh, the devil came in between us. I was hurt under your arm. I thought all for the best. Played for both your houses. No! No! And then he dies. Mm-hmm. So he dies, just like that kid. Um, <laughs> was doing the vibrato. See, you brought it back around. Come on. I brought it back around. Nice. Yes. Because everyone's gonna die in this one. Uh, so, right. all right. This Shakespeare. Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, then the police come and they question Benvolio, who like gives up Romeo immediately. Like that's his cousin. Like what does he? What does he like give up? Give up Romeo like as the killer? Well, he was he was uh, saying though it was justified in that. Yeah, because Tybalt. Because the uh, whole thing. First. Well, well, Tybalt killed Mercutio, and that was his best friend, yeah. and so you know. That's, yeah, but <laughs> that's why he's he's a snitch. I'm just saying he's a yeah. snitch. He, I yeah. feel he's honest, though, to a T. Sure. Like, that's one of his character traits. And so he can't really lie. <laughs> okay. Uh, he just seemed like an idiot to me. He like, is an in idiot, general. Yeah. The, the, character, yeah. the character was an idiot. So, um, so yes. So Romeo gets banished uh, by the Captain Prince. Uh, so, yes. So he's no longer allowed to be in the land. We cut to Father Lawrence, who gives Romeo some motivation to go see Juliet. And yada, yada. He's kind of been hiding out at Father Lawrence's place. Uh, the nurse tells him that he is uh, that Juliet is waiting for him because she's kind of torn right now mm. because she hears that right. Tybalt, you know, w- that Romeo killed her cousin. Right. Uh, but at the same time, that's her husband and he lo- and she loves mm-hmm. him. Uh, so Romeo sneaks into her bedroom via the balcony and they get it on. Mm-hmm. They gonna fuck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just got married. Come on. They they had to have their wedding night. Sure, <laughs> sure. After, after you know what? Yeah, after you know uh, after your, your beloved rampage. kills your cousin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kills some of your family, and then you know that's the time to bone. And your best friend just died. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Mister Capulet tells Paris that you know he's going to give uh, Juliet's hand to him and all this kind of stuff. So. Well, his change of heart cu- was because. Mm-hmm. So you know, in the beginning, he tells mm-hmm. him, "No, no, no, my daughter's too young. I'm not yes. gonna. I'm not gonna." agree to this but now because she's sad that her cousin died <laughs> he's like you know i know what'll cheer her up let's uh let's get you hitched <laughs> get you hitched <laughs> naturally that's the, so that's a real did, did anyone else father. notice and i don't know if this is moving too far forward but in the morning scene after they wake up mm-hmm. they clearly they didn't like move away like they have one wide shot of the two of them of, of them in bed and instead of like moving away for the camera, he is clearly trying to move so that she does not have to turn over, so to hide everything. So it's like very obvious yeah. that they're hiding from the camera. Like I, I, I was watching that and I'm like, you mean her nakedness? Yes. Like well, yeah, she's yeah. fourteen, like, John. Well, yes, no, I get <laughs> well, that. Not, no, not in the movie. <laughs> not in the movie. She's not in the really movie. 14. I, I don't know. She's seventeen. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you, Jess, but. 
at the end of, you know, in the morning, even if you're all naked, nobody really cares about who's showing what to who. Well, that's like... I mean, they were... But they were... My problem was is they were clearly maneuvering for the camera. Yeah. They were clearly maneuvering so that she wouldn't be shown, which is fine, as she should have been. But, like, it makes the scene feel weird because he's moving in a way that nobody would naturally yeah. move. It was too too choreographed. Yes. He's also like right on the edge of the bed. <laughs> like he's going to yeah. fall off. But they do that in nearly every PG-13 sex scene. Yeah. You have to have the sheets up up to your throat if you're a woman, but they I'm not can complaining be down about that, Jess. To your belly if, if you if you need me, to, I can list off all these PG-13 movies where there are boobs. I, I, I can <laughs> I can I can nail this I'm right now. <laughs> not at all complaining about Titanic. That my complaint uh, Doc is that Hollywood. <laughs> My complaint is that they should have cut away when he's moving so yeah. as for him not to have to move awkwardly because it looks like he's hiding for the camera. It doesn't gotcha. look okay. natural. But at to the point of the movie, very little felt very natural to me by this point <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, then in bust the nurse because she's trying to, you know, get them out of there before the mom comes in. Um, and so he jumps out and falls into the pool and yet the mom doesn't notice she's oblivious he just doesn't hear the pool i was gonna say my immediate reaction was didn't she not hear the splash (laughs) right out the window (laughs) so whatever um but then yeah the mother tells juliet that she's gonna be marrying parius but juliet doesn't want to marry him oh i want to Mm -hmm. mom Mm -hmm. and the father says fuck this shit and he's pissed at her and he's like now you're you're gonna fucking do it so he forces her that's an intense scene that's yeah Mm -hmm. you know he's quite angry yeah that's abusive there. And then and then she begs her mom and her mom's like, sorry. Yeah. I saw what he did to you. I'm not siding with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So basically she is just in general told that she should she should marry Paris. So even the nurse tells her to. The nurse. Yeah. Exactly. The nurse to, for her protection. Right. Basically. Right. Is telling her to do that. So. Um, Juliet goes to Father Lawrence, all distraught, and his advice, naturally, take this experimental drug to, to knock yourself out and seem dead. Of course, as one would, as one good priest would do. Well, she had the, she had the quote unquote dagger to her head. Yes. And so she was about to blow her brains out right in front of him. I can see why he'd jump to, uh, no, 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 try this. <laughs> try this. It'll stop your heart for like 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> yes, and she will appear dead to everyone. Uh, then they can sneak away with Romeo afterwards. Uh, so Lawrence, to warn and you know inform Romeo of this plan, sends him a letter. Uh, but Romeo, living in his <laughs> in his trailer uh-huh. in his you know van down by the river, basically doesn't get the package. Instead, they he he also doesn't see the fucking FedEx note uh, so, about it. Apparently, I love. Like, of all the different, like, you know, the, the sword, the nine millimeter dagger. I love, and, and the, the advertisements that have all the Shakespearean language on them. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing is that the FedEx service is called Post Haste, which uh, is his line. We must get post. this Post Haste. And, <laughs> and so the interesting thing in the play is the message was supposed to be delivered by a guy who stopped at uh, some people's houses and they had some plague, so he had to be quarantined and could uh, not get the message to Romeo in time. So they didn't have gotcha. a, a FedEx service. So I, I like that mm-hmm. little 
interpretation. Like, sure. honestly, this missed you. this way sounds a little bit more fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, than being yeah. quarantined. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Uh, that night, she takes a drink of this uh, special concoction and appears to be dead. The funeral happens, and everyone assumes she is actually dead. And then this guy Balthazar, mm-hmm. um, who I thought was. He was he's he was he was kind of there randomly. He was kind of standing next to Romeo at the wedding and yeah. I thought who the fuck is this guy? I know. I know. And that's they didn't give him as big a part in no. in the in the movie. He doesn't have a huge part in the play either, but I, he's always just kind of around with the group and yeah. then all of a sudden he has lines. Uh <laughs> Yes. So he sees the, you know, him assuming that she is actually dead, um you know, goes to tell Romeo uh, about it. And, of course, he is saddened and, oh, no, he's all distraught with, you know, her death that he is going to lie with her tonight. He is going to go to her and kill himself. So before he does that, he goes to the apothecary for poison. Uh, That apothecary played by E. Emmett Walsh, who always plays kind of like these crazy old kook types. I love him. It's actually uh, Adam. It's actually (laughs) M. M. Emmett Walsh. Oh, Cam Emmett Walsh? No, No, M. Not E. M. 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 Oh, not E. Yeah, M. Emmett Walsh. My bad. Thank you. But yes, exactly. he hates these kinds. <laughs> uh, he's the jerk. He's been in tons of stuff. But yeah, he was the guy shooting at uh, the Steve uh, uh, Martin in that movie. Mm-hmm. So as Romeo is going through town, the police are chasing him basically because, of course, he was exiled and whatnot. Um, but he goes to the church. He sees Juliet's quote unquote dead body with her in his arms. He drinks the poison. And then she wakes the fuck up <laughs> right as he finished the poison. And oh, no, there is not even a drop left for her. And so he dies, you know, with her still alive and shit. Damn it. Now he's dead. And then have, and now she's going to have to kill herself. And we know in like the play, she stabs herself with, with the dagger, dagger. So she has the dagger. But gun. she takes the, uh-huh. the, the gun. Yeah, that was marked as a dagger. Other guns were marked as swords. You saw them kind of written yeah, on the long them. sword or yes. Yep. Yeah. And then she blows her brains out. And so she is both dead. They both star-crossed lovers have died now. Uh, And afterwards, the police scolds the two houses for their feud and all are punished. Mm -hmm. And then they make up. They're like, okay, we'll end end our feud now. (laughs) End our feud. Yeah, we're done. My only thing was I feel if she... Uh Was going to uh, blow her brains out. She had the, <laughs> the tiny little dot. The tiny and little there was a dot. Tiny splatter on Romeo's face, and then she lands perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> on his yeah. shoulder, like I think it would have been a little more gruesome. Uh, the one part that they did change in this versus the play is that uh, when Romeo gets to the Capulet crypt, Paris mm-hmm. is there mourning for his love which he'd talked to three Uh times and romeo in fairness romeo talked to her three times too (laughs) at least he banged her but (laughs) (laughs) at least he banged her but uh when when paris and romeo meet they quarrel and uh romeo kills kills good old paris there too which you can't kill paul rudd i know exactly and i'm pretty (laughs) sure that's why baz lerman uh left that part out I will also say, though, I love you were talking about the iconic, you know, seeing them in their costumes, mm-hmm. the scene inside the the tomb, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a huge cathedral is just that to me stuck with me from when I was a kid. The 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 design, the crosses with the neon lights around them down the aisle, like just the beauty of that that setting 
was uh, she's surrounded by like 50,000 candles all lit yeah. and nobody's there which is a horrible fire oh. hazard um <laughs> and what does she need to see she's dead but <laughs> i did i did like the visuals of that when i was younger i okay. thought that wow that's cool that's artistic you know <laughs> this is this is really like the height of artistry for you it was like, Whoa. well and okay. i mean you also have to go back to the time too in the 90s i hadn't seen much like that that was appropriate mm-hmm. for me to see sure but but you did see some more exper- experimenting and and things like that you know i hadn't seen a clockwork orange or anything but yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay but and now you can see people push the envelope a little more than than they used sure. to as well so uh, well, that is basically the end. That we they have a little news report at the end of the end of the movie that kind of similar to how it starts, mm-hmm. and it ends. Uh, and that is the end of Romeo plus Juliet. John, uh, start us off with your thoughts on rewatching this movie because you actually saw it when you were younger. Yeah, I I think it was a little too over the top when I was a when I was a teenager. Is what my initial thought was of it. Um, and so I probably haven't seen it since around then. It's been a long time since I since I'd actually seen it. And I oddly remembered quite a bit, not of the dialogue. I mean, going I can tell you this, going back and watching this again, just reiterated to me how little Shakespeare I've actually had experience watching. Because even with, like, text on the screen for the mm-hmm. closed captioning, I'm still like, what the fuck did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it was, I was kind of a mixed bag. Like, a lot of it was, like, Man, this was like uber 90s and uber over the top. But there were some things I liked about it. I really kind of liked uh, John Leguizamo's uh, Tybalt. Mm -hmm. I like his kind of over the topness of it. And I know I read that he did that on purpose because Tybalt's swordsmanship was described as showy. Mm -hmm. So they literally Mm -hmm. choreographed him like a flamenco dancer uh, for his shooting. I thought it looked, you know, pretty cool, and he had style, yeah. Yeah, he had style. Um, he had some cool boots too. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of cool artistic choices that they made. Overall, it's still. I'm still. I'm probably never going to watch it again unless it's with someone who wants to watch it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'll kind of leave mine at that. All right. Uh, so, as I had mentioned before, this is my first time watching this film. I fucking hated it. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. Uh, and and a good portion of that is I've never been a, a William Shakespeare fan. I, I you know I respect it, but when it comes to the actual plays, the dialogue is my least favorite part. And unfortunately, they took that straight from the fucking movie or from the play and put it onto here. I find the dialogue too poetic. It's hard to follow. It's unbelievable. I don't think people in that fucking time actually spoke like that. They I didn't. think they didn't. Exactly. It's poetry. It's, 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 it's poetry. Yeah. And the way I like my poetry is I like to read it. I like to digest it. I like to dissect it. And with William Shakespeare, as you said, you have to pause and read every goddamn line to understand what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. So <laughs> I didn't understand a lot of what they were yeah. saying because it was just like, well, what the fuck was that? Oh shit. All right. I'm just going to move on to the next thing because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. And it's always been that way with Shakespeare for me because I just don't, I don't like to ingest poetry in that style. Yeah. I couldn't, I, I just couldn't follow it the way that I liked it. Also, I wasn't a fan of the 
the filmmaking style. I understand what they were doing, but the... Uh, the Do you like Baz Luhrmann and anything else? I had I realized... I'd realized most I'd never of his seen films... I've never seen yeah. any Baz Luhrmann film. I've never saw Moulin oh, really? Rouge. I never saw Which Great John Gatsby. Leguizamo is great in, in Moulin Rouge as well. <laughs> Which I, I haven't seen any of his movies. So... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just, yeah, I, I wasn't used to his style. Like and his style, so, I mean, yeah. but it's not like I don't understand and appreciate, you know, some of that crazy stuff. Like you, you throw in something like Evil Dead or something that, that Sam Raimi does. And that's kind of like there's some crazy, uh, you know, camera work and editing that happened in those. But probably because those are a little bit more comedic or horror driven that they kind of, I think they fit. This one, it just seemed like what are you doing here? This just doesn't make, you're just trying to be wacky because it's the nineties is what I kind of, it felt, God damn, it felt nineties to me. Um, and all the speed, they did so much speed work, like the ramping and like playing with, um, either the shutter speed or speeding up time stuff. And I was just like, mm-hmm. what is the point? You're, you literally, there is no point to do this other than just to be like, Oh, look, we're crazy. Like, Oh, this is wacky. Take a look. Like, pay attention to how wacky this editing is. And I did not like it. So I, I respect them for trying something different Mm -hmm. because setting a Shakespearean play in modern times, but keeping all of the old timey dialogue is totally different. The, you know, the, the, the different editing style is a very artistic, different thing. I just don't think it worked for me. I also thought because of the Shakespeare, a lot of the acting came out to the point of cheesy to me. It was mm-hmm. overacted. It was cheesy. And that's a lot of Shakespeare is like that. Like stage acting. Exactly. Yeah, I, and yeah. that's, and it just came across that way to me. And so ultimately it just didn't land for me. I was not kind of the target audience and probably because I didn't see it when I was younger and have that affiliation with, oh, wow, this is something totally different. I've seen this kind of shit before and I felt mm-hmm. like it's made sense in other movies before. In this mm-hmm. one, it, it just didn't land. Yeah, um, I can totally see that. Yeah. I was in a very similar place when I first saw it. I got the overall idea of what happened, but I did not get the details because I didn't understand what they were saying. Mm -hmm. But it intrigued me to find out what they were saying. And then I remember we did a unit in in a high school English class where we really dove deep into this play particularly and dissected, okay, hey, this word... That's what it means in today's language. That's what mm. this means. That was to, and, and so then, like you said, poetry, you like to dissect and everything. I have dissected it. So then yeah. when I watch it back okay. again, I get more from it. I get more details, um, which is totally helpful. It's, it's almost like watching a foreign language film. Mm, yeah. uh, you, need like, you need like modern day closed captioning to go mm. along with it. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be something. That'd be very cool. Yeah, yeah. But I do, the other thing about, you know, both of you talked about how it's so over the top. It's so, it's too much. And I think, especially for a lot of critics at the time, it it got mixed reviews. Um, I think because it was so over the top, so overdone, it it felt cheesy. It felt things like that. Um, I did see an interesting interview that Baz Luhrmann did that said what he was trying to do with this, obviously it's still in his style, but this is even more that those quick shots, those everything uh, a little too fast moving is more so in this than other ones I've seen of his. That he said he was trying to make Romeo and Juliet as if William Shakespeare were alive today and had to make it into a movie because William Shakespeare was very over the top he was very like showy mm-hmm. and he had to be 
because in the time he was comp competing with other forms of entertainment, uh, whether it be prostitution, whether it be, you know, town uh, beheadings, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like you stuff. had some pretty extreme things that other people were going to. So you had to draw your audience in. It had to be for people who were royalty and it had to be for people that were at the bottom of the barrel. So you had to be very showy and just very flowery with your language. A lot of the things with uh, Mercutio in particular, he was the jokester. He was the jester. Mm -hmm. He's a little more dramatic in this than than what he's written as. But a lot of his lines are puns, but they're lost on us because we mm -hmm. don't get, you know, get the languages as well. But I did, you know, watching it again, I... I have a lot of the lines memorized because <laughs> okay. I watched it a crap ton as a kid um, and, a, and a teenager. Because I'd watched it so much, I haven't watched it in years. It just isn't, you know, there's so many good things that come out that take my time. Uh, and so rewatching it, there was a little bit that was lost of the of the appeal to me. I still love it. I still will go back and rewatch it. But I do get where you're coming at with the, um, it's just so rapid paced and there's, mm -hmm. there's some corny acting. I, I feel actually um, that John Leguizamo, I loved his acting in it. Okay, uh, sure. And uh, Harold Perrineau, I loved his mm -hmm. acting as Mercutio. But he was very over the top. But those were the, the performances that stood out more to me still even today yeah. but i i still appreciate it for okay not only the nostalgia but for the effect it had on me to to venture out and see more kind of out of the box films so, or or plays or things like that for for not having seen it in a while someone else someone else who might be listening who mm -hmm. who liked it when they were younger mm -hmm. would you or say like a, a shakespeare file you know someone who mm -hmm. may have not seen this movie would you recommend this film, you know, would you recommend people to watch this movie now? Yeah, I mean, if I feel that, especially if anybody knows Shakespeare and understands, because, yeah, if, if you can't follow the, the dialogue, then it, it gets pretty rough trying to figure out what the heck is going on. If you understand it or enough of it, then I definitely say watch it. I think it still holds up. Yes, it is very 90s. But I also felt because it is almost like in a parallel yeah. universe that, you know, the cars are different. Yeah. I remember it, it, at the it, time. Felt almost, at the time, almost futuristic for yeah, that time. Yeah. At the time, I thought, man, these are something out of the future. Now I watch it and I'm like, oh, that's just a modified like Pontiac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I, I would. I, if you liked it when you were younger, if you liked Shakespeare, I would say, yeah, give it a watch for something different. Something to kind of look back on. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you, Jess, for that breakdown of this one. Now let's keep this 90s train rolling and talk singled out. All right. Singled out originally aired from 1995 to 1998 on MTV. I could not find a breakdown of how many episodes they did. Uh, in total, I just could not find that anywhere, but it was plenty. I mean, it was enough. It lasted for what, like three, four seasons, whatever it was. Uh, the show was created by Burt Wheeler and Sharon Sussman. Uh, together, they had worked on things like Keenan and Kel, Judge Alex, which was like a 
judge, you know, mm-hmm. reality show and a trivial pursuit TV show. Uh, the kind of cast of this show with host was Chris Hardwick, who I know from the Nerdist podcast and just all things Nerdist, Talking Dead, and he's a comedian. He's been on a bunch of stuff. The Wall game show. The wall, yeah, and, uh, multiple <laughs> game shows. Yeah, he's become like a, a host for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, never really recovered from uh, kind of subsequently being Me Too'd. Uh, oh. even, though, even though it kind of came to light that he was not in the wrong in the situation. Uh. Um and then, yeah, it, it, it was right at the like literally right at the height of his popularity. Um, he had at one point um, a, a girl that he was dating who were on, in a lot of his like YouTube videos for nerds and stuff. They broke up. He started dating um, whatever whoever is his wife. Her mom is very famous. Uh, no, she's a um, she's a Hearst, isn't she? Yeah, she's a Hearst. Yeah. Her her mom is Patty Hearst. Yeah. Who was famously kidnapped and supposedly oh, brainwashed wow. and all that stuff? Um, but uh, when it was like in the middle of his of his height, um, his former girlfriend came out with uh, accusing him of, of some stuff. So he was like taken off of Talking Dead, and the he was basically separated from Nerdist and all this stuff. And then uh, AMC kind of did a uh, investigation, and they were like. Yeah, he did nothing wrong. And so they mm. brought him back, but he never quite recovered mm. uh, from gotcha. anything. So I, I kind of feel bad uh, for him in that instance. Sure. Uh, all right. And after that downer note, uh, let's get <laughs> on. On a positive and, note, I see, the re- I see the relation with this and Romeo and Juliet because he and Leonardo DiCaprio had the same haircut. Totally. Yes, they did. <laughs> so Man. late 90s. Uh, and there is also the actually JTT. another... Yeah, there is another um, <laughs> somewhat tie-in later. Yeah, is that that side is it on both sides, like part down the middle, it. long. I loved it. And, oh, yeah. it did things for me. <laughs> so, talking about doing things for you, the co-host was Jenny McCarthy. There you go. Um, she actually she's never really been one of my main. She was a little no. too gross out. Attractive, yes. Yeah. But too gross out. She's like pick her nose, eat her boogers, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, that didn't do it for me. Um, but you know, Jenny McCarthy from basketball and this and uh, Mass Singer actually recently. Um, I, I that is kind of like my go-to um, guilty pleasure is the Mass Singer. Yeah. I love that fucking show. She was on The View for a while. Oh, Ter- really? Terrible on The View. I didn't like her <laughs> on there at all. Okay, so. And Carmen Electra, once she left, Jenny McCarthy left after around like two seasons or whatever. Um, and then in came Carmen Electra to kind of fill that void. And we know her from a couple of the scary movies as well as uh, Baywatch. And just overall being, they're both like well known for being Playboy people mm-hmm. as well. So Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, she did yeah. date Dennis Rodman. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were also some other people who would show up, kind of different, like other minor co-hosts on different episodes and things like that would just kind of pop in. And Piano the, Boy John Ernst would yeah. get call out all the damn time. And I don't – who is that guy? <laughs> what has he done? I have no idea. But he got – Nothing. Chris I think Hardwick. he was supposed to be just the sidekick, you know, yeah. just the – Yeah. But, like the uh, late night show always has the – the musician Ed sidekick, McMahon, right? or yeah, or, right. or yes, there you go. The Kevin, uh, yes. whatever his name is, the Paul, uh, all that stuff. Schaefer, yeah. yeah, Schaefer. Thank you. Um, so yes, so those kind of they also had that 
really large dude who would pretty much play like the the, the cherub, <laughs> the cupid, the cupid. Yeah. Yes, and I I like that little mascot. So part mm-hmm. of their thing, you know, it's a dating game. Part of their shtick is they had this mascot at the beginning on the credits who would kind of kind of fly in, but the mascot had like wore like a crown, like a um, had a cigar and like a five <laughs> o'clock shadow, and it's yeah. just kind of funny. So um, I did see and kind of watched uh, the, the episode. Jennifer Love Hewitt was a contestant on a special Valentine's Day episode. Uh, this was right in the middle of her filming uh, Party of Five and whatnot. So she was a fairly well known at this time. So I thought that was kind of fun that they got her on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show itself uh, is a day. Well, it's it's let's yeah, it's a dating show. But just why are we talking singled out? Like, why did you specifically call? No, who would think to call out singled out? Because <laughs> I wanted to torture you. Um, <laughs> no. So originally, the show that I wanted to pair with this, a show that I felt went really well, and it was one that I thought was quality, was great. You guys have already reviewed. So it was mm. Wishbone. Wishbone oh, what's was the story? The, Wishbone. Wishbone was the other one in my childhood that got me into the literary thing. And got they me. did they did a Romeo they, and Juliet with Wishbone. They did, exactly. Yeah. So that was what I wanted to ultimately do. You guys had already reviewed it, so I was like, crap. <laughs> what, what can I dig back into my past of something I really, really remember watching a lot that you haven't done yet, honestly? Mm-hmm. And I'd like to tie it in as well. Um, This is one I figured you guys would never review. Uh, And I just have memories. There was one um, spring break where my brother and I watched this constant. They just had marathons, which I mean, this was the days before you would binge, right? This was before your streaming services. And I think one day we watched 10 hours of singled out, which is a pretty quick moving show. <laughs> it does move fast, and and I don't know how, but I teenage us, we found it very delightful. I don't know so much now, but <laughs> <laughs> I like to. Uh, I'm not a big fan of The Bachelor or any of those mm-hmm. other. You know, wh- what was the the dating? Was it was it the dating game? Was that the yeah? There was the dating game, the newlywed game. Yeah, uh, and all, all of stuff. those had this like approach that they were going to find true love, uh, which is always like bullcrap. <laughs> and so I liked this approach that they did not have any intentions of finding love or even like, like the way they eliminated people was so random. Oh yeah. And then they'd always end up with some weirdo and have this look (laughs) on their face. Like what the fuck? And, and so I loved even, even the disclaimer when the show is over, I don't know if you guys noticed says that chaperones will be provided upon request Uh, for uh the contestants. So when they go off and they get their prize of going on a date, if you're not so comfortable with this crazy Eddie guy, <laughs> you can bring somebody along for safety. So it, it wasn't trying to be anything other than what it was, which is just some yeah. silly game show. They weren't trying to give you this illusion that, oh, these they're going to get married and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was definitely ridiculous. Uh, John, what do you remember about watching the show when you were younger? Uh, I watched it quite a bit. Um, yeah. For some reason, I saw something in this show, um, probably something I was never going to have. Um, <laughs> Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, uh, that is also possible, yes. And I, I think because it was fast-paced, it helped. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was like you were lingering on something for too long. Um, and it was just very surface level. 
having gone back, <laughs> eh. Yeah, um, it's for kids, totally. It, for teens. Yeah, it was for teens. Mm-hmm. I know they did a revival in like 2019. Yeah, 2018 is I what saw I saw. That, yeah. And yeah. Uh, my first thought was, why? <laughs> so I watched, it was, I actually watched an episode because it was on, it's for MTV's YouTube channel. So they brought it back in uh, in late 2018, kind of with a, they somewhat adjusted the format a little bit to where they had, instead of 50 contestants, it was 25 and then they had 25 on uh, like a, almost like a screen and they called them the IRLs for their in real life and the URLs because you know they were uh-huh, you are, over yeah. the internet and mm-hmm. so you had, you had to it came down to at the end you could be had to pick between one of the IRLs and one of the URLs but also a little catch uh, was that the URLs might have been sometimes they were a catfish because they were like because <laughs> just like real life it might be a catfish and nice. <laughs> so it could be a fake person um, it was stupid <laughs> but you know what <laughs> I don't know. I always kind of enjoyed this dumb game show. I watched this for me. I watched it mostly when John was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember it being on. And so, yeah, this is a this is a hip for the youth, totally redone uh, style of dating game show um, where they took nothing seriously. The round one, they would basically they'd bring <laughs> off like the, the person they split up. They had like 50 guys, 50 girls. And then, you know, the original version was the guys would always go for the girl and the girls would always go for the guy. Um, and then the, you know, so they had this main contestant who would come and sit down away from everybody, answer these completely frivolous questions that were like, what type of underwear do you wear? What t- yeah, exactly. Are they a Joe cool or a, you know, not cool for school? And yeah. then they. And there was always pick- package, too. It, oh, package, a, exactly. With the groups for, for guys, it was always. And it was, it, it was like, you know, Big Brot or Teeny Weenie. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, what are they, who's going to pick the Teeny Weenie? <laughs> well, that's what they have to fill out a card, yeah, like exactly. the whole pool of men. What, what guy is honestly putting on yeah. their Teeny Weenie? <laughs> Even if it's true, they're not picking that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like based on a couple of those answers, it would wean down the dating pool to a couple different prospects or from like less prospects. And then those like say six or whatever it was, um, would then have to answer questions where the contestant would then be like, okay, let's uh, keep them or dump them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on what they thought that they liked from them. And then the last one would have to, the last couple would have to like do this competition or whatever to get the last coveted third spot and then they would have to uh the last round they would have to answer questions that would match the contestants this or that kind of this yeah. or that exactly this is that type of thing and if they guessed correctly they would move closer to them on like this big board and then whoever basically got to the contestant first would win the date mm-hmm. and so that was the just none of it was taken seriously you're right it was totally different it was just very what i what i saw from this show was holy fuck this is the late 90s extreme marketing like kind of <laughs> this totally like you know fuck the man you know we're just here for the fun mm-hmm. kind of vibe that really encapsulated that that time and i would say in that decade mm-hmm. one thing i'll say was that i found interesting rewatching it and i mean of course styles change and you cringe at some of the haircuts uh-huh, and the clothes yeah. and stuff but when you watch a modern day game show or dating game show or whatnot these men and women are like the cream of the crop supermodel (laughs) caliber every every makeup is contoured and like perfect right boob jobs galore these were people they pulled freaking off the street 
uh-huh. in whatever clothes they were wearing. Oh, like- a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the, <laughs> the guys in particular looked like fucking creepos. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then they would when they'd go past them at you know in the after the first round and they they'd kiss the cheek and they and I'd be like, Ugh, it's cringy. Uh, yeah. But they had that golden ticket, so if you saw somebody. That you're like, oh, I'll send him back in. You could give him one golden ticket. But really, yeah. honestly, it was like the caliber of the pool. I even even the women. I was like, eh, I'm not. I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was the, it was a time in life where just like everybody was a bit grosser, a bit yeah. grungier, a little bit well, creepier. Yeah, or maybe authentic. <laughs> maybe uh, or you were, authentic. Sure. Right, you weren't like doing all this type of of crazy stuff to make yourself look so much better or you have your filter on uh-huh. on your Instagram yeah. or whatever. Uh, you just looked like you did. Maybe you threw on a little mascara and, and, a, and a lip balm. And I, you're do good. Re- <laughs> I do remember in later seasons. Um, so in like the first season, you know, uh, in that first round, you know, people would they get they got kicked off or whatever. They just mm-hmm. had to leave in the second like season or whatnot. They gave like a golden ticket where if they saw somebody that was mm-hmm. particularly attractive, they was like, oh, you can you get a pass to the second round. You get you know, you get a, you get your life saved here yeah. and, and brought back on. Um, so they made a couple little tweaks here and mm-hmm. there that I thought mm-hmm. were mostly for the best. But it was yeah, it was just it was dumb and fun. I think was the vast majority of this show. Now, uh, which did uh-huh. you guys prefer? From the uh, male gaze between Jenny and Carmen on the show, because um, Carmen also did the over-the-top Jenny stuff as well. Yeah, she tried to like copy that, but I, uh, I, I think Jenny just had more personality, and so it was more fun to watch. Gotcha. I didn't care so much as much about Carmen as I, I guess, as I did Jenny. I just think Jenny had more personality. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree on that. Jenny definitely had more personality. I do think Carmen Electra is more attractive. Well, and you have that, like you said, with Jenny being on the more gross kind mm-hmm. of spectrum, kind of turned you turned you down a little bit. But yeah, I, I liked Chris Hardwick. I it was the haircut. It did it for <laughs> me. It's, it's so, so. You know who also had that haircut? Eric everybody. Matthews, everybody, yes. but Eric Matthews from he Boy was Meets on World. an episode, and that's exactly was the segue <laughs> I was gonna do. Was yep. there was an episode of Boy Meets World where Eric got on the show yeah. and Chris Hardwick was uh, uh, guest starred on it, and, yes. and he did that. So yes, um, also that. there was a scene in the 1997 film Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion where Romy, played by Mira Sorvino, daughter of Paul Sorvino, comes around. Exactly, who was in <laughs> Romeo Plus Juliet. Uh, she um, unsuccessfully tried out for the movie because the cutoff age was 25 and yeah. she was too old. And apparently the line that they told her was, try VH1. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's pretty funny. Uh, there were some, uh, not quite spinoffs, but some international versions. Uh, Brazil, Denmark, Germany, Israel, Turkey, the UK, and Italy all had their own version of Singled Out at one time or another. Nice. So, yeah. Um, that is the gist. There is obviously not much depth to this show. In <laughs> fact, they try as hard as possible to stay away from depth. Mm-hmm. They are going for surface level dumb fun. Um, and I will start off this one. I'll say I watched a few episodes. I actually ended up probably watching two and a half of the original show. And then I watched the new one because I wanted to see how it went. And it's dumb. It's nostalgic. Fuck, it felt like it was the 90s. And I actually kind of had fun with it. You know, this is one I could separate, pop that, like, as far away from, like, intelligent 
uh, Shakespeare, like, you know, <laughs> level dialogue. You went to the whole other side of the fucking was, street on this It was this your one. chaser. <laughs> this was my chaser. And you know what? I kind of just enjoyed. I could sit back and be like, well, this is just dumb. And I, I had trouble finding, like, a good high-quality versions. Mm-hmm. I just right. kind of looked on YouTube. And there were a couple full episodes on YouTube. They had the old 90s commercials in them, too. They did. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, and, but, yeah, overall, I just kind of... I kind of unplugged and I found myself kind of just being taken back. Like if anyone out there is looking for a show to just bring them back to the late nineties, this is about as perfect a show you're going to find. So (laughs) that was my two cents. Mr. Spees. I also was uh, kind of brought back to the nineties rewatching it. You know, the the episode, I just watched one episode on YouTube. um, Cause not that long ago I had actually watched uh the other full episode I could find on YouTube, which was like the mm. premiere episode. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just watch another one. Um, and I did enjoy uh, seeing the commercials. That was about all I fucking enjoyed. <laughs> I <laughs> could not wait until that fucking show was over. Oh, man. Um, it, it did not kick any nostalgia into me. Um, it was so cringy. <laughs> I could not wait until it was done. I, I will never go back to rewatch this. I don't think ever. Ouch. And how about you, Jess? Yeah. Uh, so it'd been a very long time since, since I'd seen it. And, uh, I, John's reaction is what I was expecting to get out of both of you, <laughs> uh, for both the movie and uh-huh. the show. I thought the show was going to be the harder thing for you guys to handle. Um, it was definitely for me. It's awful. It's garbage. But <laughs> it's garbage. It is fun garbage for the time, and I still have the. That's nostalgia. just because you're a stupid girl. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> See a garbage reference. Uh, there you go. Uh-huh. Well, hey, stupid girl, garbage. That was uh, in Romeo and Juliet on the soundtrack. You're right. Well, which... stu- stupid girl was not in in. No, but gar- number, garbage number one. Number one crush was. was. Yeah, garbage yeah, was. Sorry. But brings it back once again. It does. Uh, <laughs> it all comes back, John. Which, by the way, side note, the soundtrack, I also had to rush out and buy. Uh, I had uh-huh. to get the sheet, the piano sheet music. I, I, think, uh, I, think our, I think Abby, I think our sister also had the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, I believe. I, I love the soundtrack. It was, uh. I, there were so many good songs. There was Radiohead. There was Garbage. There was Everclear. Once again, very 90s. But mm-hmm. anyway, going back to singled out i it's definitely not worth rewatching. i i did two episodes i think two and a half i found a couple couple clips but yeah it, it's so terrible to watch and nobody <laughs> seems the other thing too is when the contestants are like asking when it's when it's dwindled down to five or six people and they're asking individual questions they're pre-written by the show. They have yes. nothing to do. You know they didn't come up with those questions. You know they don't care. Everything is just very obviously set up. But, you know, it is what it is. And for some reason, when I was like 13, 14, 15, I could watch 10 hours of it in in sequence. So, you know, it's a fun one to look back on. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... And... Action! Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Again, please. Again? Again. 
How bored? Yeah. Step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Turn to the spice. That baby juicy taste. Need a little excitement? Step into a Slim Jim. All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. Um, as we said at the top, we're going to recast Romeo and Juliet, which is kind of funny because it's as a play it doesn't no. really matter because it could be done in a bunch of different ways. I'll just lay it out. I am not doing mine like the movie at all. Fuck the movie. <laughs> I am changing my. I am changing the dialogue. I'm modernizing the dialogue as well. Okay. The West Side Story. Well, I, I wanted. I was going literally. I was going to do a musical. I was like, you know what? This could be a good musical. And then, like, part way in, I realized, oh shit, we already that's, have that. That's done. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we are going to do the characters of Romeo, Juliet, Tybalt, Mercutio, Father Lawrence, Ted Montague, Fulgencio Capulet, and the nurse. Sure. Uh, Adam clearly is going to modernize everything. Yeah. Jess, did you decide to change anything about the setting or anything like that, or so, or you just threw? Your I, I love the kind of like we we were talking about. It. I love the post-apocalyptic. I love the styling of all of that. The only thing that I'm switching up a little bit, I'm diversifying um, mm-hmm. some, but what I ran into was since it's families, right? You, you feel, okay, you got to keep it. If I make this character, this ethnicity, mm. I got to keep it out across lines. And I, I was just like, screw that. I am pulling a Brandy uh, 1997 Cinderella move where <laughs> anybody can be related to anybody. So Okay. Modern, no, modern family style. I get that. It's all yeah, good. Yeah. So they don't have to uh, genetically match. We'll say that. Sure. Sure. Okay. Cool. All right, well, let's start with the nurse, uh, Adam. Okay. Who did you pick? So uh, my Romeo plus Juliet is going to be, I would say, yes, modernized. I'm actually keeping, putting mine uh, back in Britain. Yeah, I want, I feel like if you're going to do a Shakespeare, mm-hmm. you know, if they were going to try and do somewhat similar lines at all, if it doesn't have the British accent, at least, then that really wasn't good either. So I, I at least, but I'm going to do a modern, but I'm going to do modern, um, you know, speech, let them talk normally. Um, most of the time, maybe they'll have a couple things that slip in that I can like, oh yeah, that was a Shakespeare thing. Just mm-hmm. to like kind of get your head in. But more often than not, I want people to understand my movie. Uh, and like so it. yeah. it'll be just like modern Britain maybe, or maybe kind of like slightly future Britain. We'll see. Something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I did keep most of, I think I kept all like the ethnicities the same as what our movie had. But it, I think it is, a, it's ripe for updating. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a good call on Justice Bart. So anyway, uh, my nurse... Well, I thought to myself, the uh, last nurse was uh, Professor Sprout. How about I stay in the world of Harry Potter? But this time I went to Mama Weasley. Julie Walters is nice. my nurse. Yeah, I okay. can see that. She's very go. loving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, also. the good thing about that role is that if you have anyone kind of even semi-older than mm-hmm. the main characters who can who could feasibly be a nurse, you could have yeah. almost anybody and, in there. Mm-hmm. She's got great motherly vibes, obviously, from from Harry Potter movies, you know, protecting her Weasley kids and whatnot. So I think it just seemed to fit quite well. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, went uh, with an actress. I think I've used her before, but I decided I I changed a few things up, but I decided in my version I'm just going to redo the same idea, just modern okay. times with the old uh, mm-hmm. uh, dialogue. 
Um, but this time, since the nurse was supposed to be some form of Hispanic, I decided to go with an actual Hispanic actress. Uh, <laughs> and so I went with uh, Salinas Leva, who was most famously in Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay. Yes, I do recognize her from uh, Orange is the New Black. Yes, me too. Yep. Yeah, she was quite good in that. Um, before I stopped watching when that show turned to shit. Oh, I know. I it got so the bad. Last, the last season or last... I didn't watch any. For me, oh. it, was the, it was the last couple seasons. Yes. Um, it was, it was once when the, they the switched riot, prisons. It was, yeah, the yeah. riot. when the, To me, it was like the after the riot, things just kind of fell apart. Yeah. And I just... I Agreed. couldn't stand it after that that bit. So, uh, But this actress is solid um, from everything, mm-hmm. from what I had seen her in there. So... I'm cool with that. Although the only thing about her is Orange in the New Black, or Orange is the New Black. She was not a, a very good mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. And so I, I feel the nurse has that motherly vibe. And uh, she's a great actress. I'm sure she could pull it off. But from fr- from just going off of uh, Orange is the New Black, I'm kind of. Mm. <laughs> All right, sure. Jess, well, then who did you pick? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to preface this by. Um, saying, I don't know how you guys do these castings for all these movies. <laughs> I, I've i been for weeks, like, just if somebody pops up and I think, oh, that's good, I, I write down. So I actually, I didn't know who we were going to cast, so I have a lot of a lot of potentials uh, casted that we're not even going to discuss. Uh, but I would get a list, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that one would be good, that one would be good. And I'd have 10, 15 people... And I just could not dwindle it down. And so I, up until like we started this, I was still second guessing. Should I go with this one? Should I go with that one? Sure. So, <laughs> so kudos to you for, for doing what you do. Also, you guys dig a little deeper for some. A lot of mine are still bigger names. Uh, and so it, it's hard to find some of those, especially young actors. Uh, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And so, anyway, so I will uh, start my list with the nurse. With I went with, like I said, somebody that um, I feel you want to be embraced into their bosom, like Ooh, <laughs> something, <tell me> something <laughs> cozy, some safe, trustworthy, trustworthy place. Is, it, is this me. where Common Electric comes back? It all yeah, comes full totally. circle. No, no. <laughs> This for me was Octavia Spencer. Oh, okay. I can see that. I uh, felt she, was, she, she was with the help, right? Wasn't yeah, she? Yeah. Like exactly well, that? and she could just be a confidant. She can yeah. be love and warm me, but she can be stern if she felt, you know, hey, sure. you need to go with Paris. I, 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 I liked her for the pick. So that's who I yeah. wanted. Yeah. yeah. It was that or uh, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> uh, Octavia, Octavia is better than Whoopi exactly. for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good call. Uh, all right, Father Capulet, Felgencio, or whatever they gave him first. Apparently, they never had first names in the original play, but no. they gave them. Um, I, I yeah, I didn't care about their first names. <laughs> which is how we got. Well, the other Ted thing about Montague. accents you were talking about with the nurse having a Spanish accent randomly, he had like this Italian accent, which mm-hmm. I, he was born in New York. He had. Uh, uh, Italian ancestry, but yeah, they were doing they were doing but, a very Italian Guido kind of thing, as yeah. I said, like because the Itali- all the Capulets had that vibe, right, right, yeah. uh, Espe- so. especially um, uh, Tybalt for sure. See, yes. for me, Tybalt was like Latino, like I well, didn't get yeah. it, I didn't get it, I didn't Colombia. All of so. all of them, but, all of his all of his cronies. See, I did not uh, get the Italian vibe. I, I totally got, Italian got vibe. I got the. 
L.A. Okay. Hispanic gang vibe from them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. Uh, Adam, your father Capulet. I try not to think too much about these guys because, uh, you know, pick an old actor who's awesome. Um, I didn't realize that I picked someone from the same franchise that uh, my nurse was in. But you have to have someone who has great presence. And the guy is he's older. He can play a father and he can be intimidating as he needs to be, especially, uh, you know, Mr. Capulet was quite intimidating to his daughter at one point. I went with Ray Fiennes. He's fucking Ooh. awesome. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, he totally went big down that well. He's a huge name for it, but yeah, sure. He could he could be the he's the the head of a house without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um all right. So for me, you know, the the fathers, both the fathers, they don't have a ton of screen time. We definitely get a lot more time with the uh, with the uh, Capulet than we do with Montague. Um mm-hmm. but I was also thinking this. Much like Jess, I also really did enjoy the soundtrack. And so I decided I'm going to kind of pull double duty and pick some guys who can also double on the soundtrack. Hmm. So for my uh, father Capulet, I'm going with someone who I think I've seen steady improvement in his acting. And so I think we, he could get to that point. I went with Lenny Kravitz. Ah. Oh. Okay. okay. I would actually really enjoy seeing Lenny Kravitz do a performance at the costume ball, that yeah, part would yeah. be cool. Yeah, I don't know if I get the uh, intimidating factor. Yeah, I agree on that part. Yeah, give him a chance. But I, lo- but I love Lenny sure. Kravitz. So, sure. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, mm-hmm. then, who did you go with? Uh, so I wanted somebody that. Uh, I mean, with the two fathers, they're in this version. Hints at mafia, drug lords, kind of thing. And so I wanted somebody who could I could see maybe being the leader of something like that. But also you, you needed that, especially for the scene where he he just takes it out on you, Juliet. You needed somebody who could be intense. And I went with Sterling K. Brown. Okay. Okay. I could totally He's see that. Bit young, I feel, for... Like, well, he just feels younger than me. Right, you could sure. age him up a little bit, too. Yeah. But, I mean, he's yeah, old yeah. enough to be Juliet's father. Oh, he's 46. Damn, he looks better than 40s. Yeah. Like, he looks, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can age him up a little bit. Yeah, he's a, a fantastic actor. We yeah. we love, we both love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Senior Ted Montague. I don't Ted? Know yeah, I don't know why they like, Ted. Has, like, two Senor. lines. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they love their Hawaiian shirts. Um, you're right. If for for having Brian Dennehy, they really didn't utilize him much. Maybe some yeah. some things got cut. I don't know. But I had to go with another one who I also felt could kind of run a big family slash gang slash whatever. Um, he's also been a villain on many things, and he's always always great when he is like a villain or when he is like leading up. Whatever he's in, he's fantastic. I'm with Mark Strong as my Mont- Ted Montague. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I mean. You see, I see, I kind of was thinking, like, who could stand up against Ray Fiennes? Fucking Mark Strong can. Like, because, mm-hmm. like, they're both, like, awesome villains. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I yeah. Okay. I wasn't as familiar with the name, but now that I see him, definitely. Uh-huh. I mean, they almost look like they could play brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe just, yeah. yeah like a, like a one for one between the two. <laughs> maybe. But, sure. I mean, yeah, he could easily do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has uh-huh. that kind of cold presence. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I also noticed that Brian Dennehy really didn't get too much screen time, but he was a pretty big name, you know, character actor. So I went with another guy who's kind of a big name. I maybe I you know you could say character actor, but you could you know he's not often the leading man. But I also would want somehow for him to get a shirtless scene because uh, recently he got ripped, and then people were like, "I can't believe he's this ripped." And then whatever movie he was prepping for never showed him as that. Uh, but I would show it. Uh, that's Mr. J.K. Simmons. Oh, he, I've never seen those. He pictures. got ripped. He what? Like I didn't see this. Yeah. Oh, have you not seen the pictures of him like lifting no. weights? The guy's like swole as shit. Wow. All right. So you want to put him in just solely? Just, so he just can solely. Take his shirt off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have much other. Well, and they do the Hawaiian shirts with their unbuttoned and flowing in the wind. Yeah, that yeah. can work. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks kind of crazy because he's got like this big ass beard mm-hmm. in like the shots that I've seen too, and so he just looks he looks wild. But all right, um, I mean, he also I could totally see him as an intimidating head of a family like that. It's great, mm-hmm. right? That's the other thing. Like you do have to remember, like they are the heads of these right yeah. crime families or families or however you're going to present it. And they so, run the town. Yeah, yeah. And yes. so uh, J.K. Simmons uh, can, even though he can also, I mean, he can also play like very lovable. You know, if you saw Whiplash, he can play a complete asshole. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So he's great. All right. Um, Jess. Yeah. So once again, since he's not in it very much, but what you do get from him is not only is he kind of cold, but he always just seems his son is an inconvenience to him. He's always moping around. I don't really <laughs> I don't really want to be bothered by him. So I wanted somebody who could fill that like head honcho role. But also just was like, eh, I don't really care what they're doing. And so I went with Ken Watanabe. Oh. Oh. Fuck, fuck yes. I love Ken Watanabe. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know, he can do that, this kind of stone cold face. He can do that more reserved demeanor and be like, I just don't, I don't. Oh, gosh, Romeo. Yep. He absolutely would make a great uh, head of a kind of crime family thing. Yeah. Yep. yep. Without question. Yeah. Great call. Uh, okay. Uh, over to Father Lawrence. Adam? Sure. Uh, I was keeping, obviously, in my world of Britain. Um, I was trying to think of, so Father Lawrence, yeah, older, I mean, I don't know, kind of hard to tell if there, well, there's no kind of comedy aspects with Father Lawrence, I guess, other than he had this kid sing with the, all the vibrato um, <laughs> that annoyed the hell out of me. Uh, but anyway, this guy this guy does serious stuff as well as some comedic stuff, but he's older and I can see him kind of in uh, the role like this. He could do a lot of different stuff. I went with Bill Nighy as my father, Lawrence. Okay. All right. Love Bill yeah. Nighy. Sure. Mm-hmm. The good thing about the father is you really can go any direction Yeah. Mm-hmm. for that because yep. that can be anyone, almost any age too because it could just be, it could be even a younger, it could be even a young Father, just someone who has just sure. been appointed over somewhere like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't sure. really think there's going to be a bad pick anywhere, yeah. you know, anywhere in this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so for mine, I went with kind of a relatively unknown, unless you've been watching House of the Dragon, which I have. I haven't yet. Uh, uh, it's great. I'm loving that show. Oh, man. I think I know where you're going. I think it's a great call. I'm not sure you do. Okay, maybe I don't. This is a terrible call. I fucking hate that call. <laughs> I decided because he actually only shows up in a 
few of the early episodes, and then again at the end, uh, when he when he comes back, uh, I went with Steve Toussaint, who plays Lord Corliss, the Sea Snake. Yeah, I liked him. I like him as the Sea Snake. You're right. No, I, I was thinking you were going with the King. Um, I did think of him though. I did. I, I did think about him. And that guy's performance in like whatever it was, like episode eight or whatever it was, it was baller. Yeah. But I like the Sea Snake. Um, when I saw Steve Toussaint. Or Toussaint, I, I think it's Toussaint. I don't okay. know. I You're probably French. right. You're probably right. Or he's British, but and I see he's bald. I'm like, damn, because like the the white dreads look so good on him. Yeah. That when I see that he's a bald actor, I'm just like, no, no, keep the white dreads, man. <laughs> you look good with them. So yeah, but I like I like him as an actor for sure. Yeah, okay, I cool. haven't watched it yet, so but I'm sure it's probably mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, all right, who did you go with, Jess? Okay, this was the one that I like. I was talking about. I had like. So many people that I could pick from. And like you said, anybody could play it. So I, I went I went back and forth. And then I'd come up with somebody new and say, oh, yeah, he'd be good at that, too. I ultimately got it down to two. And I'd been changing my mind up until this mm. point. But I, I decided, I, originally, I was thinking, the other one was uh, David Thewlis. Mm-hmm. Remus Lupin. I thought he would be... Somebody who's trustworthy, right? The the father has to be somebody you you can go to and you can you can tell your sins to, but he can keep a cool head. It was between him and then the one I ultimately went with, which was Jeffrey Wright. Oh, okay. I like him. He's a great yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. Both yep. of those guys are are I think equally as good yeah. a pick, and, and either yep. way you went, and I yeah. we love Jeffrey Wright too. I I think that's a great call. Yep, very much so. Really All like right. that call. You're you're on a roll of picking actors that right. we you know we like, so we're gonna these, we're, yeah, not, these, we're not gonna say anything these, bad about it. I'm they're just, the kind I'm of only actors that when, good actors. So yeah, when John when John and I have brought them up in the past, we're immediately like, oh yes, hell yes, they can yeah. do whatever. Like yeah. every single one you've called are pretty much exactly in that right. vein. So yeah, and that's why I don't have any deep deep uh, okay <laughs> right. Picks, but and that, and that's fair. We we've been doing this for so long. We we kind of we start to shy away from like the most obvious ones sometimes, mm-hmm. just to vary it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to change it up. Uh, okay, Mercutio, Adam. Sure. Um, so I did keep uh, Mercutio as an African American actor. Again, British. Um, this though this guy that I what I've seen him in, he speaks with an American accent, but he is British, and I like him uh, in this very weird show. And I'm pretty certain you enjoy the show as well, which is Doom Patrol. He plays Cyborg. His mm. name is Jovian Wade. I like that call. I like yeah. that guy. He's he's really good on that show. I, I I have not thought about that show in a while. I'm waiting to see if, if it's coming back at all. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, but um, but I like him. I like all the acting in that show. I I dig the show, and so I want to see him in more stuff. So I like that call. Cool. Yeah, haven't haven't uh, seen that, but <laughs> I'm not Kudos. surprised. Kudos. You you wouldn't. I don't think you would, but. Um, I will just say, uh, <laughs> I, uh, huh? I, well, it's, it's kind of a, it's a weird comic book movie or comic book show. Mm-hmm. I will say at one point, a guy with muscles makes an entire town come. That's kind of fun. So think about that. <laughs> I did like everything everywhere all at once. So oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that and I need to so I, uh, bad. I do too. I need to see it. I've heard nothing but good things and I keep, I wanted to yeah, see it when you, it was in theaters and it got that, out too fast. Is that streaming yet? If you I think want it those is. kind of absurd, crazy things. Like what okay. you just said, uh, yeah, okay. you would like it. We rented it, but I love yeah. it. Well, it is. I have to rent it, mm-hmm. so that's fine. I'll rent. I worth the rent. Yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, 
Okay. I went with a uh, actor. I don't. Oh, I, I, funny. I'm sorry. No, I sure. had to fix it. I said I went with an African American actor, but he's British, so he's not African American. <laughs> he's, he's he's British. He's a black British. He's a British actor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Yeah, my bad. Uh, I went with a Rwandan actor, although I think he grew up in Britain. So I think I, I considered this guy too. I think if we're on the same uh, one. Um, yeah. It's funny, so you mentioned Jovi and Wade. Uh, Jovi and Wade uh, has been on the TV show Doctor Who. My pick is the new Doctor Who, oh. and that is Nikuti Gatwa, best known for being on the show Sex yes. Education. Yes, I, I did look at this guy exactly for the Mercutio role as well. Yep. I think it's because I know he can play that kind of over the top because he kind of play he plays a, a a a gay character in Sex Education and it's a kind of not over the not greatly over the top but can be a little bit over the top, um, okay. but he's really really good in that, and um, I'm kind of I haven't watched Doctor Who in a while, um, I'm I'm interested to see where he takes the character. It's going to be a lot of okay. fun. Um, so he's the, he's the new Doctor. Yes, he's been announced okay, as he's going to be the new Doctor. I don't think he's he has not. Um, uh, recorded. I don't think he's been in an epi- in any uh, episodes yet. I think it's for okay. the next season. Um, even though they already killed off the old Doctor, um, and if you know anything, they Doctor regenerates. But they did a twist where he regenerated back to an old form, and I think they're gonna re- have him go to a new form after that. Whatever. Yeah, it is. and this was this is they brought back David Tennant for that, right? Yeah, they brought back that. David okay. Tennant for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was my pick, uh, Jess. Cool. Who did you pick for Mercutio? All right. So. Uh, Mercutio, I, he may be controversial for you guys. I'm not sure. But when I thought of it, I absolutely freaking loved it. I wanted somebody. He is the the jester. I wanted somebody who could do the the quirky comedy kind of stuff, but could get intense if, you know, you, you play it the same way. I went with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate that, and that's be- it's only because I've probably seen more of Daniel Radcliffe's other stuff that I think Adam has. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from you know uh, just having just seen Weird, yeah, um, I watched I, that we, we last both, night. Yeah, it was fun. It was I liked fun. it. I've also seen some of Miracle Workers, which is a TV show that he's I also uh, love been that doing, show. and yep. Christy loves that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the first season of it; it was pretty good. Um, I also liked, um, uh, what was the name of that movie? Horns. I liked Horns. Horns is great. I really yeah. liked Horns. So I I see where you're coming from with this. Yes. So I'm going to support your pick. I, th- I think he could do it. He can play He can play all sorts. If you saw The Lost City, sure. you know, he was the villain in that. He can can take different approaches. And, and I just, I don't know. I thought it was a, can? an yeah. interesting pick. I'm gonna throw. I think he would be a better Tybalt than Mercutio. You know what's interesting? I put him down for either or. Okay. <laughs> I thought, but then <laughs> when I thought of my Tybalt, I was like, oh no, okay, I'm gonna have to put Daniel Radcliffe as my Mercutio. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of Tybalt, Adam, who was your Tybalt? All right. Uh, again, uh, I was trying to get some, uh, you know, age range. Uh, most most well, Tibble can be a little bit older because mm-hmm. you know it's a cousin okay. of um, Juliet, um, but yeah, still somewhat age range. I uh, guess yeah, slightly older. But I really dug him in uh, the show that really kind of boosted his popularity, and that is Stranger Things. 
uh, specifically this last season. Uh, and he can have all the intensity, especially when he's playing his uh, Metallica on top of a fucking trailer. I went with Joseph Quinn, who was Eddie in Stranger Things. I think he's a really good actor, and I, I really liked him in that role. Want to see him more. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Okay. I did see uh, the re- most recent season kind of uh, only because my daughter had it on repeat for a while yeah. so it was on tv on the television all the time i'm fine with that i don't know too much ab- about him mm-hmm. uh, other than just kind of seeing that one role but i'm i'm fine with that okay i yeah i've only seen the uh first episode of stranger things of season <laughs> oh, one. Oh wow so uh i've i've heard i definitely know who you're talking about because you can't escape <laughs> the phenomenon the internet. that it is. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know too much of his acting, but I have faith in you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate that. probably because I didn't give Adam so much support for his pick for Tybalt, he's not going to give me a lot of support for my pick for Tybalt. Because I also, in keeping with the kind of idea of Lenny Kravitz being on to pad the soundtrack, I also picked another person to kind of pad the soundtrack. And the funny thing is, is I don't know that this guy's done a lot of acting, but his personality is kind of over the top. And so I hope that that will kind of translate to Uh being a Tybalt. I went with Bruno Mars. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) The thing is, I bet he could act, though. Totally. I think he could. I'm I'm almost certain he can act. Yeah. So, So I don't hate that call. Okay. I don't want to see sweet Bruno, though, get all nasty and, like, start shit. Do you, do you listen to some of the lyrics of his songs? He already gets nasty. Well, dirty. that's that's the song. I think I think in deep down he's a teddy bear. But <laughs> I think deep down I, he's a partier. Well, yes. <laughs> so Teddy bears so. can party. Teddy bears can party. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with this. Okay, uh, I'll take that. Yeah. All right, Jess, who was your Tybalt? Okay, my Tybalt who uh, knocked Daniel Radcliffe out was I wanted somebody who could be intense, pretty serious, yet have some style. Uh, I went with Michael B. Jordan. No, no. Uh, I think I think Adam's thinking he's too old. Is that my guess? Um, I, John Leguizamo was quite old. I know he's old. Uh, what I'm thinking is he's too big for that role. I think he's better than that role. Right. Uh, I'd say. Not to say Tybalt's a great role. It's cool. But I think Michael B. Jordan's beyond it. Gotcha. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, Tybalt's on, that, Tybalt's on there a lot. And that's a big scene between him and Mercutio and, and Romeo. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's too big for him, honestly. I think he would be fine in that role. Okay. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'll, I'll take yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, up to our, our two main ones, uh, Juliet, Adam. I have been watching House of Dragon, and I know you, I think you casted this actress not too long ago, and I immediately jumped on like, yes, I want to see more of her, and so I thought this role of Juliet would be the perfect place to put Millie Alcock. Adam, the only reason I didn't put Millie Alcock is because I had just used her and I didn't want to reuse her. Yeah, I think she'd be great. She's really, really strong actress, and you, be, you know, I, because I hadn't used her, I'm like, this is the spot. Yep. I agree cuz actually she was the first person I went to and then I said, "You know what? No, I'm 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 going to I'm going to back away from this and put somebody else." But I think it's a good call. 
Okay. And in the end, I probably should have gone with that because I ended up going someone I've used several times before. So it didn't really matter. I hadn't used them in a while, but I have used uh-huh. them several times before. I went with Zendaya. Oh, okay. She you know was what? on I, my list. She I was, was about, list. yeah, she was on my list as well. I was going to call out, I bet you did Zoe Kravitz because you put Lenny Kravitz as the dad. And so <laughs> I was like, he's going to fucking put Zoe right here. Uh, but Zendaya is a little bit more age appropriate. I think she's about 10 years younger or maybe maybe she's not like, quite. I think like 26 Zoe. or something. Oh, good. So not that much. Yeah, yeah. Zoe Kravitz is like 32, 33, yeah. something like that. Zendaya was on my list as well. She was on all of our lists to consider, so I think it's a good call. Okay. The only reason I didn't went, go with her is because she has a very cynical vibe, uh, and I feel she... Juliet needs to be doe-eyed and, like, you know, will easily go be, be wooed and married. I want to push back um, The Greatest Showman. Uh, Zendaya was pretty True. innocent in The Greatest Showman. True. Yep. So I think I think it kind of fits there. I'll give you that. True. Okay. All right. Well, then who did you pick for Juliet? Okay. I struggled with my Romeo and Juliet because I wanted big names to to pull people in. My problem was I wanted to stick to Claire Danes was 17. Leonardo was 21 or 22. I wanted to stick to that young range. I know originally Natalie Portman was uh, considered for the role and she was like 14 at the time and they well, would have been accurate to Shakespeare. They did a screen <laughs> test with her and Leo DiCaprio and they said it was like he was molesting her. It's so gross. that's yes. why they didn't go with that. And and I mean in Hollywood you you don't want to see that. You don't want to see the the uber young. So I did end up uh aging up a little bit. My only thing is I I hate the Hollywood trope of the guys like 20 years older than his female co-star. I tried to keep them close, but in the end, I went with who I like the best. So, Juliet, I ended up going with Millie Bobby Brown. Okay. I considered her as well. I mean, mm-hmm. she is like 18 or 19 now. She's I can't 18. remember. Yeah, I think she's 18. I really like her in Enola Holmes. Yeah. Um, I have not and, seen and that, so- but I was thinking of showing that to my daughter. Yeah, because uh, she came loves out with Stranger the Things. One recently, I haven't did. watched. Yeah, but... and I've heard it's good. I've heard both of them are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so I, I think she could play that. Like she could hold her own, but that she could play that innocence. I, I, I also strongly considered Taylor Swift for Adams. No, sake. you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so say, no, isn't she, she like thirty-two now? Yeah. yeah. No, she wouldn't. She wouldn't be on my list. And she is incredibly not innocent. She's a B and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, she got all top 10. She's making the millions. I know who am I to talk. (laughs) I mean, that's I I know really nothing about her personally, but I what I do know is this is she recent uh, not recently. This was like this had to be four or five years ago. I say recently because I pretend like 2020 and 2021 didn't happen. Yeah. She did a performance here in Vegas for some show. It was like the Grammys, the Oscars, something big was being held here. She hired a friend of mine's drumming group to perform with her. And she took the time to do individual selfies with every single performer who had been brought in to perform with them. And I'm talking probably hundreds of people. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Or well, if nice. not, if not over a hundred, that was because it, it was people who they brought in people like into uh, the crowd to play. So it was a mm-hmm. ton of people, mm-hmm. and I can't. And 
I kind of feel like you can't really be that big of a bitch uh, if you're going to be willing to do that for the people who, you know, are performing for you. So I, she's got, to me, she's kind of got a, a bit of a pass. Um, I'm not really into her music. I don't really care about her life, but professionally, she seems to be a pretty good person. So to me, that gives her a pass. Yeah, I don't, I've never uh, met her in real life, so... I haven't either, but I, I can tell you from the uh, from the pictures I saw, she's surprisingly tall. Yes, she's mm. very tall. Yeah. Uh, all right, Romeo, last one, Adam. Uh, wherefore art thou, Romeo? I tried to think of who I wanted, and I I just came to the realization I needed a name. I had some other quite good names, but they were in smaller roles. Millie Alcock, as good of an actress as she is, she's not quite the name yet as, say, Millie Bobby Brown or Zendaya. Mm -hmm. And so who do I have who is the top acting name in this age range? There's only a couple of them. And there's one who I think is a little bit more Shakespearean than the other. And he could probably do. He's not British, but he can do a British accent. (laughs) And I think he fits in this role. I went with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, that's Chalamet. Sorry, Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah. ding dong. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's where I thought you were probably going. Yeah, I mean, he just he just fits. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know what? He's he's gonna be a draw. He's gonna bring people in. He's a good actor. He's he's gonna do well. Yeah. Who was the other person you were thinking of? Oh, I mean, like in that age range is like a you know it's Tom it's Tom um, Holland or it's Timothy Chalamet. He's Chal- too Chalamet. sweet. I he think Tom too, Holland's too sweet, too sweet yeah. to do, to do the like. <laughs> I disagree because I went with Tom Holland. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you're having Tom Holland and Zendaya, the actual couple. That's absolutely right. And they were the first people I I went with, and I was like, oh, this is going to be such a cliche answer. But but you know what? (laughs) It's going to work. They're at the right age to do something like Mm -hmm. this. They've got. Yeah. We already know they have chemistry, so I don't have to work too hard sure. at getting them yeah. to fall in love with each other. So when is the Green Goblin going to come in and they have to save, <laughs> uh, you know, the fair, <laughs> the fair, uh, you know, area in the middle of the city. party? So the party actually ends yeah. with like everyone dying. Uh, yes, sweet. It's a costume party. You can have pumpkins. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It works. Yes, pumpkin bomb. Uh, all right, Jess. Yeah. So uh, this one. It was older than I wanted to go with it. Uh, but once again, like you, I wanted the big name. I wanted somebody who I thought could be broody and angsty. And so I went also with one of your picks. So I am the tiebreaker here. Uh-huh. I too went with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, you <laughs> did. I couldn't see. I had a few smaller names. Uh, written down, but I felt you needed a bigger name, and I just, you know, after Dune and everything, you just, <laughs> it became to me that I, I couldn't pick anybody else. He's 26, he's older than I wanted, but I was just like, eh, I can't, yeah. I can't pick anybody better. So he's got, he has a surprisingly youngish looking face, anyway. So. He does, and he's always cast as, as like a teenager or something. Yeah, I think right. he can pull it off. He's probably got a good like another five or six years out of pulling that off, as long as he, yeah. you know, keeps looking as young as he does. He yeah. could probably, he could legitimately be thirty five and still playing high schoolers, possibly, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, obviously Adam enjoys or agrees with that pick, and I, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm fine oh, yeah. with it as well because he, I, to me, I think Adam is right. I think. It was going to be one of those two people. If you need right. a big name, it's going to be either uh, Chalamet. Is Chalamet? 
Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah, Chalamet. Chalamet. It's gonna be Chalamet or Holland. It's gonna be one of those two. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jess, thank you so much for uh, for joining us for this. Uh, yeah, is thanks. There, I had fun. Is there yeah. anything you want to shout out before we end? Oh gosh, uh, no, not in particular. Just here to have fun. Don't need to get all serious or anything. So <laughs> that's, that's cool. All right, that was our recasting of Romeo and Juliet. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I go through our Top 10 favorite Toad the Wet Sprocket songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.